Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast, where we deliver a variety of fresh content to help you live awesome. Enjoy the show. Engage with us online at marksdailyapple.com and on social media, and send your questions to info at primalblueprint.com. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. One of my favorite authors on the show today, very excited with his wife, Jimmy Moore and Christine Moore. Jimmy has, um, you know, talk about keto being a hot buzzword now. His book, Keto Clarity, is one of my favorites. I think I've listened to the audiobook about three times, probably due to do another listen on that. And then, yep, Keto Clarity. And also Cholesterol Clarity, the Ketogenic Cookbook, uh, the Keto Cure. And now today we're going to talk about a new one, and this is great. It's called Real Food Keto, and it's applying nutritional therapy to your low-carb, high-fat diet by Christian, sorry, by Jimmy Moore and his wife, Christine, and recipes by Maria Emmerich. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank hey, you. what's up, Elle? So tell us, you know, Jimmy, I, you know, you must be laughing because keto is just making such a surge right now, and you were one of like the OG keto people uh, around. So tell us what you think about all of, you know, the things that are going on in our space right now. It is really fascinating to me, Elle, because I've been talking about low-carb diets Ever since I started blogging in 2005, um, and I had a, a big success story doing the Atkins diet, then over the years, it kind of morphed into, okay, I read Mark Sisson's Primal Blueprint, okay, add more real food, do some of the things Mark was talking about. Then the whole paleo world came on the scene around 2010 when Rob Wolf's book came out, and that whole uh, arena of paleo really kind of put real food on the map. And in my consciousness, and then obviously keto kind of becoming more and more um, commonplace, even as a subset of paleo, um, and then paleo kind of dismissing keto, which I I thought was a big mistake on their part. And and I I look back on it now in retrospect, L, had they embraced keto, not obviously saying that everybody needed to do it, but at least as an option to uh, your paleo diet. We wouldn't have had to write a book called Real Food Keto. I don't think keto as a movement would have to be what it is today. Keto's here because paleo failed to recognize the value that keto brought to the table. Interesting way to look at it, and I see what you're saying there. Um, it should have been incorporated almost from the get-go as an, another another option, and now we're now we're doing that. People are getting on board. So tell us, you know, you you wrote the Keto Cure not too long ago. You have Keto Clarity. How does real food keto differ from the other exposés you've uh, jumped into on this topic? Yeah, so uh, L, you know my books. I don't write a book unless it's something that's unique that hasn't been talked about. So obviously when I wrote Keto Clarity, nobody, it was actually the very first book that ever had the word keto in the title. Um, we kind of, we didn't coin the term, but we certainly put it out there in the mainstream. Um, and so any project that I'm associated with, I like to try to bring new ideas into the community that people aren't talking about. So when my lovely bride uh, decided mm-hmm. to go through the nutritional therapy practitioner program, I said, wow, this stuff is amazing that you're learning about digestion and detoxification and the hormones and the endocrine system that controls all the hormones. It just was fascinating to me, L, that I've been in this business for almost 15 years and I didn't know most of that stuff she was talking about. And I'm thinking the application to a keto dieter is way too valuable for us to sit on this. So that's how Real Food Keto came about. Why don't you talk about why you wanted to be a part of a crazy book project because that was a, that was a big deal, right? It, well, yeah, it was. I mean, we hear so much about the macros, how much fat, how much protein, how many carbohydrates, but there, if if you even if you get all those things right for you, um, you could be eating the most perfect diet and you still struggle with some health issues. And we get into some of those reasons in this book through the principles that I learned through nutritional therapy. Like we, we cover digestion in depth. If your digestion is off, that could lead to a whole host of things, including autoimmune conditions. If you have uh, detoxification needs, then your body's likely to hold on to more body fat. You're going to have trouble losing weight because the toxins are stored in the body fat. So, I mean, this, th- that's why I felt like this book was absolutely necessary because this is not stuff that, that people are looking at and so many people are still struggling and they don't know why. Well, and that's the thing too, Elle. I want people 
that are in keto or really any diet modality who aren't not necessarily getting the optimal results. Maybe it's some of these things we talk about in Real Food Keto that could be the answer. So we're hoping that it becomes another resource that could provide more clues for people in their personal health journey. You know, I'm really glad in your book, you meant you, you go through minerals and you go through all, again, all of these deficiencies that can spawn other things. And you mentioned so many things I talk about, like selenium and all these other important nutrients. You know, often I have coaching clients who call me or contact me and they say, hey, you know, I've tried keto and it's not working or I'm getting fatter. And, you know, if that's happening two months in, you're either doing something wrong and you need to go back to the basics, or it really is an underlying metabolical issue that could that could be settled with some nutritional therapy. And I know myself, I had a selenium deficiency uh, and it was discovered. And then I had a reverse T3 thyroid issue, you know? So again, there's all of these underlying things, you know, if you're already falling apart and you think keto is going to save you, you're going to go wrong somewhere. And that's why I'm really glad you're kind of comprehensively filling out this topic. I want to ask you, um, Christine, about your nutritional therapy. Tell us about that. Like if someone's out there going, what does that mean? What did you learn? What is that? Can you give us a little bit of a, a rundown? Yeah. So we are taught to look at our clients as individuals. We have something called bioindividuality. So what one diet looked for one person will not look the same for another person. So if I have a client that comes in is more active and they can stand to have a few more carbohydrates in the form of uh, vegetables or even, you know, occasional sweet potato, I'll do that for my client. Uh, most of them tend to be metabolically damaged. And so I will lean towards more of the low carb ketogenic diet, but we look at what's called the foundations. And then we have the consequences. If we can get our foundations in order, which includes digestion, hydration, mineral balance, fatty acid, um, that sort of thing. If we get those things in order, then the other things will hopefully fall into place. Um, and so we really focus on the first two things that I look at with each client uh, above anything else is their digestion and their blood sugar regulation. If their blood sugar regulation is not in order, then there's no hope in uh, balancing hormones because um, the body will be pumping out cortisol that takes the um, uh, pregnenolone from the sex hormones to the production of the cortisol. So yeah, it's just a digestion and blood sugar are the first two things that I look at. I'm really glad you mentioned that because the, the, when blood glucose is wonky, adrenals get wonky in response to that. And then that's antagonistic to testosterone and everything else that everyone's trying to do. And then that's that hamster wheel of, you know, I'm still a carbohydrate dependent sugar burner. The other thing is I'm sure you've heard some of these nuances and I wonder what your opinion is on this. So with all of the genetic testing out there and people getting specific about, you know, dialing in what's right for them, you know, one of the things I discovered was it said that I had sort of like a, maybe a low intolerance to saturated fat. And then I've heard people claim that is saying, well, you know, I've got this gene thing where I can't process saturated fat, so therefore, how can I ever get fat adapted? And my, my answer would be, well, you, you just choose more of other types of fats. I mean, right? So, so can we talk about some of these little nuances that have come up with clients and, and maybe it's an objection or what are you seeing out there that, that might tip off someone who's watching to go, ooh, I need to maybe examine that? So let me address some of these various genetic tests that are out there. People have to know this is in its very infancy. So we can't really give a whole lot of weight to some of those that say you're genetically predisposed not to do well on X. Um, because I've seen a lot of people, oh, I did this XYZ test and it said I can't process some keto food. And I'm going, okay, I've never heard of this test before. And there's so many of them popping up until the science kind of bets out what the good ones are from the bad ones, L. I don't think, I mean, it's interesting to run just to kind of see what it would say. But at the end of the day, I don't think we know what any of it actually means just yet. But there are uh, actually things about fat that might be shocking to the keto world that I want Christine to share about the breakdown of the kinds of fats. This is really shocking. Yeah. So if you do have trouble with saturated fats, what I like to uh, tell my clients to do is do uh, 60% of their fat is monounsaturated. That's a um, anti-inflammatory in nature. Then 30% saturated fat. <coughs> saturated fat is inflammatory in nature, but the body in order to heal properly, it needs to inflame first. So if you have a cut, you'll see the swelling or the redness. That's the saturated fat from the, 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 the prostaglandin 2 
from the saturated fats that causes the swelling so the immune system can get to the site of the wound and, and heal it. Then you have 10% of your uh, fat intake should be polyunsaturated. And these, when you hear polyunsaturated, you think of the seed oils. And yes, those are bad, but there's, it's all in the way that oils are processed. So a lot of the oils that you see on the store shelves come in clear bottles. They're exposed to the store light. These are highly rancid already on the store shelves. You need to find these oils that are in dark bottles, and it needs to say cold-pressed and organic, and never cook with polyunsaturated fats. And you can also find polyunsaturateds in nuts and seeds as well. So if you have trouble with saturated fat, you can still lean more towards the monounsaturated. And monounsaturated are amazing. I mean, avocado oil, olive oil, all the gamut of monounsaturated fats. I think we dismiss mono because we're so unvilifying saturated fat that sometimes we kind of go overboard on that end of things and forget about all the goodness that comes from monounsaturated fats. Yep. I'm glad you made that point because again, in, in this in this resurgence of coconut and coconut products and you know coconut butter, which I love and I do consume that, but you can I've seen myself even at times not anymore, but in the past, when I was new at this, kind of going all towards coconut oil, all towards that same type of fat. And then one day I was like, you know, I should probably just have a spoonful of olive oil somewhere in here. And, you know, so, so switching it up is really important. What are some of the things from clients, um, both of you, that, and I, because I know this is one of the reasons you probably wrote this book, where there's a simple, dumb solution, like something was missing a mineral or miss, you know, I'd love to hear some of the 180s or the big turnarounds that happen on something so small. Yeah, um, I guess for me, one of my big things is uh, hydration. I've seen my clients not drinking enough. You've seen yourself not drinking I, enough. And, yeah, and I just She's too. out in the garden, <laughs> L, like for three or four four hours in the heat of the summer and bearing down on her. And, she, and I go outside and she's red and she's... <sighs> I'm like, will you go drink something? Here? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner, and even I don't drink enough. But yeah, so so many people think um, that that teas and everything are okay. They're they're fine in small amounts, but they're what co- are called diuretics, and so they will actually pull. Like if you eat an, uh, if you consume or drink eight ounces of tea, or let's just say a diet soda alcohol, something like that, it's going to pull eight to 12 ounces of water out of your body. Even the, like the sparkling water. I was, right? yeah, was going to get to that. Even if you, some people think that they're doing a wonderful job with drinking the, the carbonated waters that has phosphoric acid in it because of the way it has to have the carbonation added to it. That interferes with stomach acid production and your body's ability to absorb calcium. And calcium is a big thing in, obviously, the structure of the bones, but calcium also helps regulate the pH of the blood. And the pH of the blood has to stay between this thin line of 7.35 and 7.45. So what happens if the blood gets too acidic? The uh, bones release calcium into the blood to change the pH to more alkaline. If it gets too alkaline, then the calcium goes back into the bones. So it's a very delicate process. So when the calcium gets out of the bones, is that what can lead to like osteoporosis, osteopenia, that kind of thing? Well, yeah, it can if if the calcium is not going back in there. But a K2 deficiency will lead to um, osteoporosis because a lot of times a person will have osteoporosis, but at the same time, bone spurs and which are um, excess calcium growth on the bones. So that, that's often a K2 deficiency. Yeah. Sorry, Elle, my interview instincts kicked in. <laughs> no, I love it. This this is just an interesting <clears throat> K2 being very important. If people aren't aware of that, look into taking some vitamin D with K2. Um, emu oil, I think, is a natural source oh, of I it. I started uh, using that L emu oil. I saw it at one of the keto conferences. I want to say like KetoCon. And I was like, whoa, this is kind of cool. It's kind of exotic taking emu oil. <laughs> right? Yeah, it totally is. I, I think uh, Beverly Meyer was the first person who was really talking about it a couple of years ago and was really into the whole K2 benefits of it. I also know that fish eggs, uh, like salmon eggs, are really high in K2 as well. And that's something that I crave a lot, which is interesting. So with, um, with, this, with this book, and you've got recipes and things like that, What's the goal here? Is it to optimize everyone that's already in the keto space? I mean, obviously, it tells you how to get into it, too. It's a great book. It's so well laid out, like all of your books, very clear. But what, are we, what can we learn from this? Like, for the person out there, that's why is this book for me? Yes. So there's three specific 
audiences that we wrote about in the book that this is for, and it's actually four. We just didn't talk about the fourth one, but I'll talk about it with you, Elle. So the first group are the people that already eat keto. You know about nutritional ketosis. You've been doing it for years, but you're thinking, I want to expand my knowledge about the importance of real food because a lot of people in keto still don't value and put the importance on real food. So we do in the book and we tell you why it's important. And a lot of the keto people haven't been exposed to the concepts of nutritional therapy. So this might be their introduction to nutritional therapy for the very first time. So that's one group. The second group are those people who already eat real food, but they don't know about the value that keto can provide them. So we're hoping to help those people that Perhaps they eat locavore, maybe they're primal, maybe they're paleo, but they're not quite getting the results they want. Maybe trying a keto version of a real food diet would be the answer for them. So that's number two. Number three is that group of people that don't give a crap about either one of those things, which is a whole lot of people. Um, And with keto being so um, popular in the mainstream now, you know, people will see that title on a shelf and go, oh, I've heard a lot of things about keto and I want to incorporate real food. So we're hoping that it kind of captures those people's attention. And then the final group are people who are already in kind of the, they understand real food and keto and they want to teach it to clients. So nutritional therapy practitioners, nutritionists, even dietitians that are educated and getting off the mainstream thinking on that, even doctors. I'm hoping doctors and various ones start to read this because this information I would almost guarantee most patients don't know a bit in the world about. So we put it all in one place. It's in one beautiful package called Real Food Keto. So that's that's what we're hoping happens is it inspires a group of people to get serious about both real food and keto. Let's talk about your personal journey. It's been a long time living the low carb and, you know, your podcast, you got low carb cruises, really amazing so much great, free, incredible information out there for everybody to learn how to get on this this track as well. How are you both feeling now? Are you both keto, in and out, sort of flexible with it? How, how are your lives working right now? So I'll go ahead and start. Um, so I have been eating low carb since 2004, very famously lost a bunch of weight on it. But more importantly, Ellen, what I try to underscore to people is I came off of three prescription medications that year high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and respiratory issues, big time deal, and have not gone back on drugs ever since. And I know I get some flack online because I still weigh more than I probably should, and I'm working on things to try to deal with that. But the health markers are great, save for the insulin. My insulin, I think my last check was like 13 or 14, which is not like type 2 diabetes or anything, but it needs to get down. Uh, A1Cs 4.9, HSCRP 1.1, triglycerides under 100. uh, I want to say it was like 76 the last time. I mean, I'm doing all the things right to make the health markers good. And I'm bucking my genes because I had a full-blooded brother die at the age of 41 of heart disease. I, my dad had a heart attack at 48 and 50 and then quintuple heart bypass surgery at 54. He's in his late sixties now, and he's going downhill in his health. Um, both of my grandpas uh, on both sides of the family died of heart disease. I'm supposed to die of heart disease. It ain't happening. I'm bucking that trend. So if it means I have to carry around a little extra weight because my body is saying, you know what, we're going to save you big boy. We're going to make sure you stay healthy and happy the rest of your life and that long life because of keto, then I'm going to do it. So yes, to answer your question, I stay keto. We eat mostly real whole foods. Obviously, you can't write a book called Real Food Keto and not have real whole foods in your diet. We have 26 backyard chickens back there now. We grow our own vegetables. We do all the things that show that we believe in this and are fully committed to it. Um, And it's certainly changed my life in so many ways, as you know. Yep. Before I, before you take a turn, Christine, on that, I just want to highlight something you said, Jimmy, because you said you get slack <clears throat> for, for being <clears throat> what you think might be, <clears throat> excuse me, a little bit more overweight than you should be. But I wanted to say this, you know, I looked exactly the way I do right now and had a 5.7 HbA1c at one point. Okay. So if you had stood the two of us together, your HbA1c was 4.9, which is stellar. And I was pre-diabetic. So you cannot judge a book by its F and cover. I want everyone out there to understand that. And also, 
you know, next time you look at someone and you want their body, uh, think to yourself, let me see their blood work first. Okay. So, and I've seen your blood work, you posted it online, you've been very transparent. And I think that that's really the most important thing. Not everybody's trying to be a shape model or a bikini model. And that's not the goal here. It's, it's mental clarity and it is also health marker. So Christine, I'd love to hear about your, your personal experience with all of this. Yeah, I didn't start low carb keto until about 2009. I didn't get serious about it until 2011. So he was doing it for years before I started. I loved my my M M&M and Skittles, Dr Pepper. Yeah, she did. <laughs> and so I went to the doctor, and my triglycerides were almost 300. And so got the uh, paperwork back to Jimmy. He's you know what to do. And so just by cutting out those three things, my triglycerides dropped from almost 300 to 136 in six weeks. Amazing. Just, just cutting out those, those things. I was still eating a lot of carbohydrates, but just cutting out those three things. So when we went through embryo adoption in 2011, that's when I got really serious about doing the ketogenic lifestyle. Jimmy would buy liver for me cut it up into small pieces, freeze it, and I would eat it like that to get some of the nutrients in that way. And I started to notice things happen. Once I started, I have severe eye issues from birth. I'm blind in my left eye because I was born three months early. The doctor had to give me oxygen to keep me alive, and so that tore the retina in my left eye. And the same thing started to happen in my right eye, but they caught it in time. But I have very poor vision, and my vision... Uh, my condition, it just doesn't get better. But um, about four months after I was on keto, I went for my annual eye checkup. Lo and behold, my eyesight actually got better. That doesn't happen. We had um, to pay $1,200 for better. Yeah. <laughs> better. Glad. We had progressively each year gotten worse and we're, okay, great, $1,200. Okay, take $1,200. But this time it's like, wait a minute, you still have the ones from last year? We can go. <laughs> Unfortunately, we did not. Yeah. So we had to buy some new glasses. But I've been on the same prescription for seven years now. Seven years in a row, Elle. Yeah. After going through her whole life progressively worse and worse in her eyesight. We did lose the babies, by the way. We did an embryo adoption. It didn't yeah. work. But yeah. yeah. So Some gene stuff there that we later found <clears throat> out. But Endometriosis. We talk about it in the introduction. Did you read the introduction, L, to our I might, book? I might have, I'm going to admit I probably skipped that one and got right into the juicy oh, stuff. Gosh. To me, I mean, I'm a writer, and so I know the way you capture people's attention is with a narrative. Christine's story, I mean, everybody likes to look at my health story, and I get it, but she has a very amazing health story that if you do nothing else, read that, listen to it on the audiobook, whatever you're going to do, that chapter just will get you for why this is important and why you're so passionate about this and why we wanted to put this book out right now is there's a lot of people going through a lot of the things that you went through. I mean, as we were going through writing them all down, I was like, well, dang, I forgot about that. And then you look at it cumulatively and you go, how are you still here? Because <laughs> yeah. it, it's yeah. truly a miracle what real food and ketogenic diets have done for her. Yep. Yeah. I can't even and, imagine how many success stories you have at this point of people who have gotten, you know, reversed or type two um, and have gotten off medications. It must be astounding. Can you tell us about some of the, you know, really effective success stories, some of the 180s over the years here uh, that you know about? Oh my gosh. I get emails every single day, uh, just mm-hmm. as Mark does, I'm sure as well in his work. Yeah. I mean, I don't have any specific examples that come to mind, but literally every day I'm getting, uh, well, your, email. Mom, your, your mom and, uh, how she's, Oh, in uh, my own, own, yeah. own, my own family. I think she yeah. was talking about like people, but that's yeah. true. My own mom, my own family, um, has been kind of eh, that keto thing. Yeah. Whatever. Uh, even when I wrote this book, and gave it to them. They were like, yeah, yeah, that does, that sounds interesting. No, thanks. Well, they had powdered butt syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> anyway, that's another topic for yeah. another day. So, um, yeah. So mom, uh, had myostinia gravis from, uh, she got, um, a bug bite. They give her, they gave it to her. She got meningitis and then that turned into myostinia gravis where like the whole side of her body became numb. Um, and she just wasn't herself. So they had to put her on very high dose of steroid. And when they did that, she started gaining a lot of weight. Now she had gastric bypass the same or like weeks before I started the Atkins diet in 2004. She, uh, 
she lost about a hundred pounds, mm-hmm. was doing really good. Mm-hmm. And then all of this started to happen and she came back all the way L. So about two years ago, she said, I'm frustrated, Jimmy, help me understand this keto thing. And so I said, okay, it's pretty basic. You know, and I started explaining it to her. She said, that doesn't sound so hard. She she did the Atkins diet in the seventies and all that. So I was like, okay, give it a go and I'll be here. Uh, you can speed dial me. Uh, so she did. And she had lots of questions early on and she ended up doing pretty well. And for me, it was less about the weight loss, which she did lose about 40 or 50 pounds there in like the six months after starting it. But to me, she wasn't able to come off of that prednisone because of this disease, but she still lost weight Mm -hmm. and she started feeling better. Her cognition started coming back. And this is the thing that I tell people, if I didn't get any other benefit L from a ketogenic diet, just the cognitive benefits, the mood stabilization benefits alone are the reasons why I would do keto for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And my mom started feeling it. She's like, whoa, I haven't been this alert. And she is super, super smart. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh. She was the nerd in school. <laughs> and so was I. So um, so anyway, it was fascinating watching her transformation. She did fall off about a couple months ago, but she just called me yesterday and said, I'm back on it again. I'm definitely going to call you if I have any uh, questions, but it's beyond my mom, my sister, a couple of her cousins. One of her cousins had a heart attack. And the first person he wrote to was me. And said, all right, tell me about this keto thing. I know it can help. So even when they're not listening, when you think they're not listening, they're listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I, I tell people that story only to encourage them that if it feels like everybody's against you, no, no, they're actually uh, going to come to you someday when they need help. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. You just have to live by example. And then people will eventually kind of go, hey, what are you doing? Um, the mental clarity stuff. Uh, gosh. I concur. It ha- it would have nothing to do with all of the other anti-aging, anti-inflammatory health benefits. Uh, the brain, the level of stamina and mental energy and wherewithal is so much higher than most people I know who are my age. I'm 45. And I feel like, I'm, I, I don't know that I've ever felt younger here in the yeah. brain. So it's that that is worth it in and when you have that kind of clarity, you enjoy life more, just period. You're absorbing all the things that are coming in in a, in a way that's not in a, this kind of brain fog or this kind of carb haze, right? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. So tell us, um, Keto Clarity, go back to that other book because that's one of my favorites. That's really in-depth. This has got even more to it. I mean, they're all valuable, all of your books. What are some of the things in this book that like, really you can piece out, nutritional therapy-wise or not, get specific, on, on what it is that this, this is going to do that's going to kind of clear the whole story up for me on keto when I read it? You know? yeah, I, still, I still want people to read Keto Clarity as the entry level into keto because until you get the foundational of it right first, all of the stuff that we talk about in Real Food Keto, which I would consider a much more advanced book, even though it's easy to read, it's still much more advanced information. You don't want to start people out on vitamins and minerals and digestion and all that until they get at least the groundwork down first. So we're laying the foundation of that house with Keto Clarity, and then we're building the bricks with Real Food Keto and Keto Cure and all the other kind of books that are out there teaching the science at a little more advanced uh, level. So This is for the person that knows keto or knows real food and kind of wants to add to that knowledge. Um, So what are they getting in this book, Christine, that we're not putting in any of my other books? Well, I mean, it's broken down into four sections. And in the beginning, you kind of really shined there. You talked about the, the basics. Part two, we break down the macros. We talk specifically about what fat's good for, what protein's good for, even carbohydrates, what they're good for. Because um, I, I believe that you know there are some functions of the brain that need some um, glucose. I know the body can create it through gluconeogenesis, but I, I think other, you can get a lot of micronutrients through um, vegetables, non-starchy veggies. Um, part three, we get into the nutritional therapy aspect. And this is where a lot of people... Um, the, the, their weight problems or their health issues 
if they can get these things fixed in part three, then it's, it's hopefully likely that, that their weight, they'll, it'll start to come off again. They'll see health improvements. So we give a rundown about how digestion works from, from north to south go into a lot of detail about that. We get into blood sugar regulation and how that affects the body. We talk about the, as, as you mentioned, the vitamins and minerals, and we talk about the signs of deficiency and what these minerals are, are and vitamins are good for. We talk about the endocrine system and how everything, all of these things that I'm mentioning are interrelated. If one is off, then, um, all the other things are going to be off. And we get into detoxification, which I think is very important. People automatically assume detoxification is drinking a green drink. Well, that could be a part of it, but we get into um, the the nutrients that are needed for phase one and phase two detoxification um, and how you need healthy fats for the bile to be able to take out the toxins from the body. So it's just a complicated web that we kind of hopefully make simple in this book so people can say, okay, I'm still struggling. Maybe I need to look in this particular area. Well, and see, here's the thing, Elle. Uh, Keto Clarity has been out there since 2014. And so a lot of people have read that book and they're going, okay, what now? And we've gotten cookbook, 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 and so many cookbooks, but nobody's kind of taken the principles and said, what else can we add to it? So that's what we think we did in Real Food Keto is, all right, you want to level up on your keto. You got it from Keto Clarity. You understand the basics. Now level up and learn more from Real Food Keto. I think, that, I think those two books hand in hand, if you're starting off from the beginning, are the best way to start. Do Keto Clarity, get in there like you said, dance around with it, and then you can look at what you need to do to, to kind of optimize it. Well, let's, uh, you know, I, I know you've probably answered this question a million times, but for those out there that are somewhat new to keto, aside from, yes, that's not bad for you, well, you know, I, I've heard this comment so many times from people in the medical profession to talk about keto and they go, oh, good luck. You're just asking for kidney failure or something like that, right? So can you just address that, those kind of, you know, objections about like organ failure and, and all of these uh, fright tactics we get from, you know, outdated uninformed doctors and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I often tell patients, uh, and by the way, L, I have stayed away from letters after my name by design because I could become an RD, an MD, a PhD or anything. Um, but then people go, of course you say those things, you're credentialed. So yada, yada. And so I like being empowered patient, Jimmy Moore. So I can talk patient to patient with other patients and be relatable to them, which is kind of why I'm glad I still deal with the weight stuff because that's relatable to people. Whoa, if Jimmy Moore's dealing with it, so am I. Maybe he'll figure things out and we'll keep following. So, um, so yeah, how do you deal with the doctors? I usually tell patients, you know, your doctor has very little nutrition education, right? You, you realize that they don't really have the credentials, even though they have MD after their name to actually be talking to you about your diet. So any diet advice they give you is null and void. It's like asking your plumber how to fix your lawnmower. He might know how to do it, but he, he didn't get it in his training as a plumber. And same with your doctor. He might know about nutrition if he's educated himself. And there is a growing list of people that are using a ketogenic diet that have MD after their name because they had to learn on their own L. Um, and so it's really exciting to see that happening behind the scenes. People aren't realizing there's literally thousands upon thousands of doctors that are coming on board with this message. So you just have to look for them. Um, but yeah, so how you deal with them is, is you try to educate your doctor and realize the doctor has to play games that if you have a cholesterol of 220, he has to by law by standard of care in, in the bylaws of being a medical doctor, he has to write you a prescription for a statin drug. If he doesn't, he gets dinged. If you refuse it, you get dinged as a non-compliant patient. So you try to walk people through, play a little bit of the system. You can still do keto. They're going to talk about how ketoacidosis is a real and present danger. They're going to talk about your kidneys exploding. They're going to do all these fear-mongering tactics and it's only because they don't understand what the diet is. I have told people to give uh, their doctors a copy of the Keto Cure because it gets into kind of doctory language. Dr. Daly on that book uh, was my co-author. And we go through all the various disease states and how keto helps with them. And if a doctor reads that and sees it and goes, oh, 
a fellow medical professional wrote this and then, whoa, type two diabetes. Wow. I had no idea. They don't know. So if they don't know, they can't give good advice to their patients. I mean, I had a prime example not too long ago where I had my annual checkup with my doctor and I happened to see his physician's assistant. She's a young girl, so she's uh, a little newer to this. And uh, one of my readings, my calcium was a little bit off. And I'm like, well, could that be due to a K2 deficiency? And she kind of looked at me with a little bit of a blank stare. She goes, I don't know. I'll she had have no to, idea. I'll have to look into that, you know. And, and so, may, you know, I want her to check my K2 levels, too, to see if I need to supplement with that. But, yeah, even even the young ones, they just, they, they're not learning this stuff. I know you're, you're speaking my language and I'm really glad you mentioned that because I wrote a book about uninformed doctors and thyroid health. I just recently got sucked into something myself and I thought I was immune to this. I, I see the functional doctor, Dr. Forsman on my book, but to go get dumb blood work and whatever, I use my insurance and go through the, you know, normal, you know, get the gynecology figured out and all that stuff. So I went to just a regular doctor and I asked her to test a bunch of things that my functional doctor, and I said, Hey, listen, I know you didn't order these, but would you mind if I got these tested? And she's looking through them and she just said, you know, I'll take all these tests, but I don't even know what to do with most of them. I mean, she admitted to my, I mean, and nothing wrong with that. I'm glad she admitted it, but she admitted like, I don't even know. The crazy thing is that she didn't go, I don't know. So I better learn. I didn't hear that. I just heard the give up. I just heard, well, I don't know how to do it. I'll test them for you, but I don't know what it is. But anyway, I got sucked into it because she's like, when's the last time you had a tetanus shot? And I don't know. I was like, oh, maybe it's been, anyway, I got spoken into a damn vaccine and I had just had a whole vaccination like podcast with Dr. Forsman. And so afterwards I thought this doesn't seem right, but she was scaring me and I fell for it. And I called my doctor afterwards, and I go, did I just get talked into a vaccine I didn't need? He goes, yes, you did. So even myself got roped into the old paradigm of just listening to the doctor, getting getting scared by them. I also once back in the day uh, when I was doing my own T3 dosing, had a doctor tell me I was going to give myself a heart attack and kill myself, which I didn't. And I've been on T3 for seven years now. So, you know, I, I just love what you're saying there. You know, patient to patient is the best. Sometimes we sometimes know more. And sometimes you, like you said, you're going to have to play this game with your doctor. Hopefully you can prove to them that you'll be compliant and that you're educated and they might be willing to practice with you. Right, Jimmy? Yeah. And I think that's the perfect way to do it. Uh, and, and you've got to find the right personality, uh, for your doctor to do that. Um, I know my doctor, um, he would refuse to run insulin. I'm like, I am an insulin resistant man. I have to keep track of that. I have health insurance L and I had to fire my doctor because he wouldn't run an essential health marker that I like to keep track of. And if he doesn't know anything about what to do with it, that's none of his business because here's what I want your listeners to understand. You as the patient and that relationship are the boss your doctor is merely the consultant in your health. And think about it. When a business hires consultants, are they letting the consultants run the company? Heck no. What are they doing? They're listening to their advice based on their experience and their knowledge of the industry. And then they're giving you recommendations. And then from there, you make the final decision as the CEO uh, of the company. Well, you're the CEO, I am, of Jimmy Moore. And if I go see a doctor, all right, you're my consultant. All right, here's what's going on. Kind of give me some feedback based on your experience working with patients. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Okay, that's all sounds good. Okay, I'm gonna ignore that, 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 and that, but that looks really interesting, so let me go. So you use them in that manner and the whole relationship changes rather than the doctor telling you what to do and you obediently do every little thing. You choose what makes sense to you and then do what's right for you because there's so much stuff online, what we're doing here today on this podcast that has valuable information that not a single doctor understands that they're in the mainstream. Yep. Sorry. You fired. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's really great. It is. Um, it, it is. That's my mission. You know, empower people. Don't just listen to someone with an Harvard MD. I went to people with Ivy league educations and they hurt me, didn't help me. Um, and what I like about you is you are like the ultimate biohacker, the ultimate like patient for oneself. You've been doing this for so 
long. Um, let's get into, so sorry from that major objection, which you answered really well. Um, and cholesterol clarity really cl- clears this up for everybody and some of your other books. But, you know, you mentioned 220 of cholesterol and the doctor kind of having to sort of by law or by whatever, having to sort of prescribe a statin. Can you explain to someone in a situation why a 220 wouldn't be alarming and necessary to go on a statin? Can you give a little expose in there? So someone listening for the first time that looked at their cholesterol and thought they were going to die and their doctor freaked them out, why they might not Sure. So cholesterol is not the enemy in your health. Let's just get that out of the way first. In fact, I literally just before we came on got a text from my cousin. He's trying keto for the very first time. uh, And he's my cousin. And he wrote to me, hey, uh, while I'm on this keto, should I quit my Crestor to see if the cholesterol will straighten all of itself out during the diet? So we're all in this mentality that cholesterol is somehow an enemy in our health. You guys learned quite a bit about the value of cholesterol. Can you talk about some of the things, and then I'll get into the numbers, some of the things that cholesterol is good for in the body? I mean, cholesterol, your hormones need it. Cholesterol is needed um, for vitamin D production. Uh, The older you get, the more cholesterol you have actually is better because you're going to have a little bit more inflammation as you get older. Um, and so it's it's not the cholesterol that when somebody has a tar- heart attack that's the problem. Yeah, they see cholesterol in the arteries, but what's happening is that the the blood sugar um, spikes, um, the rise in insulin, the increase in cortisol, that all creates um, abrasions in your arteries, and so the cholesterol goes to those sites to actually deal with that inflammation. inflammation. And so that's why. You, people, when someone has a heart attack, they see cholesterol in the arteries, but it's not the cholesterol. It was the analogy that you give about the firefighter. Yeah. So if your neighbor's house is on fire and the firefighter comes to put out the fire, that's what happens, right? So the fire is the inflammation and then the firefighters are the cholesterol. So if you take a statin drug or you do things to manipulate your cholesterol and you eliminate firefighters from coming to the scene of the fire, what happens to your neighbor's house if it, if a firefighter doesn't come, it gets burns, destroyed, right? Burns down. Yeah. Well, that's what's happening inside your arteries. Mm-hmm. You're taking away a life-saving, potentially life-saving element, mm-hmm. all at the altar of high cholesterol means something. And what is it about that number below 200, then you're not at risk for heart disease, but you're at 201, then you suddenly become right. at risk for... And so as well, I was talking about <laughs> earlier, the whole standard of care that they are required if it's an over 200 in your total cholesterol they're trying to lower it l to 180 mm-hmm. they just keep lowering it because people are obediently getting them down and well we need to get them down more so they'll take more drug um and then ldl c they want below 100 well here's the problem with the whole cholesterol story one of the numbers in your total cholesterol you want higher mm-hmm. your hdl cholesterol so that's one of the numbers that's in that total. So that's not a bad thing. You want that. Then LDLC is an estimated number based on this thing called Friedwald equation. So that's included in there. But if it's estimated and it's so minute down to the detail of a 200, uh, 201 being you know great risk for heart disease, have to take a statin, 199, you're okay. When something's estimated, it could be off by five or 10 points. And so that's a big problem. Triglycerides aren't even brought into the total cholesterol. And to me, if you're going to look at one marker on your cholesterol panel, it's your triglycerides. And it's, and it's totally predicated on your carbohydrate consumption. Miss M&M, Skittles, and Dr. Pepper, <laughs> yeah, example number one. Yeah. Um, right, that, so that doesn't have to do with fat. So that's the thing. So it's a cholesterol test. And the one thing that doesn't really have to do with fat skittles and you know lowered the carbs with the sugar and then you know the triglycerides went down i forget exactly what numbers were but on my last and thank god i was with a you know primal doctor um but my cholesterol was over 200 it might have even been 210 or could have been even a little bit higher but my triglycerides were like 45 or i don't know i mean they were like really low and everything else looked great but had i taken those labs to a standard uninformed doctor they might have been very afraid for me right so here's the thing uh Looking at total cholesterol or even this whole LDL to HDL ratio, there's all kind of little things that are out there. That's 50-year-old science. We haven't believed that in 50 years. 
So get with the 2018, 2019, because we're here. We live here now. It's now about triglyceride to HDL ratio, which you just said your trigs are 45. I would probably predict because your trigs are so low, you probably have about a 60 or 70 uh, HDL cholesterol, if not higher, because ladies have higher typically. So your ratio is about a 0.5. Anything under two is good. Under one is really, really good. Um, and so that's what you're aiming for. But we do have sophistication in tests. Earlier, I talked about how we have to be careful with genetic tests. Well, there's even uh, newfangled kind of cholesterol tests. There's this one I, I recommend called an NMR lipoprofile test, NMR lipoprofile. And you can ask your doctor to run it. If they refuse, you can run it on your own, uh, anylabtestnow.com, private MD labs. Anyway, you can do all that on your own because remember, you're an empowered patient now. So run your own labs and then you can see the particle breakdown. And in that one, L, the, uh, the LDL is not guesstimated. It is actually pulled the number of particles and then the number of small dense LDL. And it's the small dense LDL I want you to zero in on that's the one you want lower and lower and lower because that's the truly atherogenic plaque building uh, cholesterol that you need to be careful of. Absolutely. It's, it's a, this is such a fascinating topic. And what's crazy is that as we go through life, we look back and see how they all got it wrong. And now we're catching up to figure out what's right. And um, this really does seem to be the answer over time. I mean, this time-tested, low-carb situation, high-fat paradigm uh, is, is, is really, it is from our, what I've seen in everybody's health over the years, the way to go. Tell us, there's so many, okay, so how can we, you know, you have a podcast, you've had done a couple before, so you have one with you and the doctor. How are all the ways we can benefit from you? If we're, if we're watching this and we're like, I want to know more because you guys really are the experts in this, um, aside from your books, how can we work with you? I know you even do a low carb cruise. I think Dr. Ken Berry, let's give a shout out to Dr. Ken Berry, who's all about keto as well. Yeah, he's one of my favorites. And also Dr. Forsman as well is very familiar with this. And I love involved, like you said. Because you've got so many ways to connect with you. And I know, Christine, you personally coach. So how can we get help from you guys? So I have a website, rebootingyournutrition.com. That's where you can send me a message and I'll get back in touch with you. I'm also on Facebook and uh, Instagram and Twitter as well. I have so many entities. It would be like 20 minutes to go through them all. So uh, basically I'm at livinglavidalowcarb.com and you can find all my stuff. I do five shows a week, five podcasts a week. We're about to start another one where I'm doing rants about various topics in nutritional health. So we'll call that one, we're calling that one Jimmy Rants. So that's coming real soon, jimmyrants.com. But then Real Food Keto, we have a book uh, uh, website for it, realfoodketo.com. And we certainly hope people see the mission of what we're trying to do in here because a lot of the people, um, they're stuck and they're sick and tired of being sick and tired and they really want help. And we feel like this book, we poured our heart and soul. I have not worked as hard on a book L since Keto Clarity. <laughs> that, that's how hard I worked on this one. And I rewrote Keto Clarity a hundred times to make it perfect. And this one, I just, Christine did a bang up job with the nutritional therapy stuff. And it was so funny in the midst of it. I was like, come here, explain this again. You know, and it's because I wanted to be able to explain it on the paper very easily. And some of this stuff isn't easy to understand, but you have to kind of work it and see what it's all about. But we, we're very proud of this book and we're very proud of what we're doing here. And I ain't slowing down, Elle. I, I have four new books in the next year and a half. And I, I feel like now is the time to change the world. Well, you are and a huge fan here. I've been like, again, you know, if I didn't have your work, I don't know that I would have gotten out of the insulin resistance, even though, of course, I have Mark Sisson and everyone around me. But Keto Clarity was my first, you know, foray into really trying to figure out what was wrong with me. Because when I had a 5.7, I was inflamed. And um, as you probably already know, and I've talked about, undiagnosed hypothyroidism, being in an untreated crappy state, you get insulin resistance so that whether you that are not still on the same damn eating mouth to anus paradigm, it's never going to get solved. And sometimes 
undiagnosed hypo puts you in disease states that no amount of just diet can fix and nutritional therapy is what then is required. So, I mean, I really, I just believe everybody should get on Keto Clarity and also this one. Um, <clears throat> this is Real Food Keto. We'll put all of the links to how to connect with you in the show notes. What would you like to leave our audience today out there um, on, the, on the nature of keto? Uh, for me, is a big one that we go through in the book is to be kind to yourself. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. Too often we see so much ugliness online. If you're not eating 100% grass-fed, grass-finished beef, you're not doing the diet right, that sort of thing. We understand that people are in different situations in their life and not everybody can afford these higher quality meats and vegetables and things like that. So make the best choices you can uh, with the situation that you're in. And then I would add that if you're doing a ketogenic diet and you're not getting full results, you're kind of not feeling optimal, give this real food thing a try. I mean, I remember when I came into the paleo community and I went to the various conferences with paleo and I started to listen to people like Sisson and Rob, Rob Wolf and Chris Kresser and different ones and it all clicked and made, made sense. This is kind of a culmination, this book, um, of all the things that I kind of learned and then started applying myself. And then all the things that happened when I took my keto basis and then added all these new things, I'm like, why didn't I do this from the beginning? So skip, to, skip ahead, get beyond all those years of frustration and start eating real food and you won't go wrong. Excellent. Um, real people, real solutions here, right? These are We are all real patients that became subject experts because we needed to help ourselves because no one else out there knew what they were talking about. And, and again, that's why people love Mark Sisson's book because he's not an MD. That's why people also love you, like you said before, because you're not an MD. Sometimes that's actually, and MDs actually really appreciate your books and the non-MDs as well because they know how uninformed they're their counterparts are. So again, real food keto, everybody. We will put everything in the show notes and how you can uh, get coaching from her and help from them and their events and et cetera. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having us. Thanks, Al. So Chris Kelly, Nourish, Balance, Thrive, we're, we're talking about health and you're telling me a funny story about your picky four-year-old daughter that won't eat unless there's Primal Kitchen uh, condiments on the table? It's true. My daughter will not eat unless there's f***ing the Primal Kitchen Wilder. <laughs> it's, it's this cute thing, actually, she does. We have a local state park called Wilder Ranch. Oh, yeah. And uh, she calls the ranch dressing Wilder Ranch dressing. Which <laughs> we, 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 there's no way we're going to correct her on that. It's just too perfect. So, so endearing. Uh, how old um, is she? She's four. Oh my gosh. So she likes like the mayo on a Oh yeah, she so she loves those sort of, we love them as well. We have uh we, we eat them all the time. We eat the mayo, we eat the balsamic, we eat the the ranch, um the avocado oil we use all the time. And and so, you know, that's completely genuine and I don't mind talking about that because you took the pain in the ass out of condiments. I really appreciate that. What an authentic spot from Chris Kelly at Nourish, Balance, Thrive. And yes, Primal Kitchen, you can call it Wilder Ranch Dressing if you want. <laughs> and uh, we'll send five cents of the proceeds over to that beautiful state park because they're, they're trying to make ends meet in Santa Cruz Mountains. Thank you very much, Chris. <laughs> it's my pleasure. 